Welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. Hi, welcome back to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm Leanne Spencer, your host, and my guest this week is Tracy Newbury. Tracy is a baby sleep expert who's worked for years in this area and she's helped many, many families uh, both get more sleep for themselves, but also a better routine for their baby. Um, We talk about uh, the best way to set up a room um, in terms of lighting and temperature, the right type of bedding, the best type of clothing to put your child in, uh, routine around naps and really creating what Tracy calls a sleep bubble to enable the baby to have that really good restorative sleep. And of course, the rest of the family can rest and relax as well. So if you enjoy this episode or any of the others that we've recorded, please jump onto Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. We really appreciate it. It just takes a few minutes, but it enables us to improve the show and also to spread the good word to to many other people. So that's it from me um, for this week. Let us know what you think of the show and I hope you enjoy it. Here's Tracy Newbury. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Um, Introduce yourself. Tell us what you do. Um, my name is Tracy Newberry. Uh, I'm a baby sleep coach and specialize in working with babies six to 11 months old um, and help them get help get them sleeping really well in a really gentle, kind, loving, respectful way. I don't yeah. use any of the cried out methods. Okay, cool. Um, and how long have you been doing that for? Um, my business is three and a half years old, mm-hmm. um, but I've been working with children for nearly 13 years now. So I started nannying when I was 18 mm-hmm. and had um, 10 years full nanny experience. And then, um, and then as my journey progressed, I just realized that the, the children were always sleeping really well that I looked after. And I thought it was just normal, like children just sleep well. I didn't understand what the fuss was, but then actually I realized that it was something that I was doing mm-hmm. um, and started to explore that a little bit more. Um, yeah. All right, well, tell us more. Um, yeah, what, what was it you were doing? What was the kind of the secret sauce, if you like? So it's just, um, do, you, do you know the motion that a buggy makes or the car makes or when the baby um, is, uh, you know, being rocked, that mm. really repetitive, soothing, rhythmic motion that just lulls you to sleep? That's exactly what I do for the babies. So in their cards, I would just like rub their back or pat them and to get that really rhythmic um, emotion going and it would just help them go to sleep every single time and and also there's lots of other stuff to you know involve like involve like you know awake times and when they when they tire to, to do it and not just you know randomly decide that it's their nap time and try and put them down because of course that's not going to work mm. um, so there were all these things that I was learning on my way and I was just always so passionate about um, babies and so passionate about their sleep and it just seemed to come together in this really natural, lovely, wonderful way. Mm. And I was looking at your bio, I think you volunteered for an orphanage when you were 12 or something, so the interest in babies has always been there. What was it like working in the orphanage? Um, For me it was amazing, Uh, I loved it, it was, I mean it was eye-opening, it was quite shocking at some times that, you know, just in the way that Obviously, it's so different to how I'm brought up. You know, like when they were bathing the children, it was like this um, kind of conveyor belt of like wash, you know, take off the clothes, wash, dry, nappies, mm-hmm. you know, bed. It was it was kind of like a, and so that was quite. But I mean, it was 
it was touching and I loved it. I loved, you know, seeing these children and they loved me and we had lots of fun together and we'd do fun things and play. But it was also sad when you get attached to a child and then they get sent back to, you know, the, the, the you know, a family member or um, it was, was an, an um, uh, abused and abandoned children and also that an AIDS uh, unit as well. Mm. So sometimes you saw sad things happen and it got to the point where I was getting too attached to the children and the children were getting sent away back to a family member when they deemed it safe to go mm. and I just sort of I was obviously I was very young yeah. and I found it quite hard to, to 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 deal with it at the end so I had to leave I think I stayed for about a year a year and a half this is in South Africa in South Africa native home yeah. yeah okay so the business you've got now is called Happy Baby and Me. Um, the URL is happybabyandme.com, I think. Yes. Yeah. What are your qualifications? What, what, what have you focused on in terms of your training? So I'm a qualified sleep trainer and also breastfeeding consultant. But the breastfeeding consultant doesn't really come into it much now because as I, uh, I work with babies six months onwards. So mm-hmm. if, if moms are breastfeeding, they've really got it established well before yeah. I come in. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, certified sleep trainer, which I and I, I hate the word trainer because it sounds so harsh and it's not what I do. But that's the qualification I, I enjoy. I, I rather prefer sleep coach. Yeah. Okay. And for, it's for babies from six months to a year, I think, isn't it? Six to eleven months. Six to eleven months. Okay. So what's a, a typical person that you family that you help out? What what would their circumstances be? So usually it's a mom of around eight nine with a baby of eight nine months old. Um, and she has got a year's maternity leave and it's getting towards, it's clo- getting close towards the time she needs to go back to work. So around about eight, nine months is, um, and sometimes 10, 11 months, but I cut off at 11 months. So I, I get a lot of moms who, who, who come to me just before maternity leave is ending at, on that 11, 11 and a half month because they know they're going to back to work very soon. But I, I, with the methodology that I've come up with, the, the nurture method, it works best for babies between six and 11 months. Mm. Um, just because in that time, babies are less, like after 11 months, they're more mobile, they've got, uh, you know, their personalities are stronger. Not to say that they're not strong before, but they, they know exactly what they want and it's hard to, um, you know, uh, convince them otherwise. Mm. Uh, and they're less, they're, they're more mobile in their carts. They're stronger, um, so it, it gets, it gets, it's, it gets more difficult after, uh, like eleven months a year to help to, to change sleep. It's not impossible mm. at all, but with the methodology I've come up with, it works best for that age and mm. that age gap. Okay, we'll come back to the methodology, but is it more the parents that you're helping, or the baby itself, or is it both? Tell us a bit about how, how if you come in and work with a family, how does it work? What are the steps? Okay, so what happens is uh, a mum will reach out and I'll go to her house. So I do the first home consultation. Then um, I go to her house and we, I look at the room. We, uh, I always do a nap with the family. So I, I arrive in time for uh, the nap. Um, I get to know the baby beforehand. We do the nap together. I establish a little nap time routine. Um, we put the baby to sleep. And then while the baby's sleeping, I, we come up with a plan moving forward for the little one. Then uh, after two weeks, I come back. And also I work with the Feng Shui specialist as well. So we really get the room working um, in, you know, as conducive to sleep as possible. And I also have got my own checklist of, you know, the room temperature, the sheets, the pajamas should be cotton. I'm, uh, it's a whole list that we go mm. through to make sure that the baby's comfortable and that the room 
feels like a good space to sleep in. Um, and then eight weeks after that, we have um, we we speak constantly on, on WhatsApp uh, until the mom needs me. So you, typically in the first week, in the first two weeks, I ask the mom to go, to get on there every single day with me, so I can keep tweaking, keep looking what's going on. And by the time I go back for the second checkup, mm. um, the baby's made lots of great progress. And then the mom kind of you know days can go by when the baby's just sleeping so well that we don't need to kind of keep on going because she's happy and the yeah. baby's sleeping, so it's good. Yeah. Um, so that's how it works: so two home consultations, eight week support, and a feng shui consultation as well. Mm. That's interesting. You talk about the feng shui element and, and whether you buy into feng shui or not. Mm. I think the way that you set up, so when we talk to our clients who are adults about sleep, and they're typically between 40 and 65, that kind of age range, so significantly older, uh, we talk about the same thing. How is that room set up? That bedroom should be seen as a recovery room. Yeah. So I'm gonna, there's two things that get done in the bedroom. We won't go near one, although it is linked with babies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the other, of course, is sleeping. Yeah. Um, and if a room is full of clutter, pictures, distractions, if it's too hot, too cold, it's just not conducive for sleeping. Absolutely. It's interesting that, of course, it would be exactly the same the for same babies. babies. Exactly. Um, and it's overlooked so much. The room is overlooked so many times. I, I went to see, I mean, I've seen, I've seen parents' houses that, like the baby's room, there's clutter from the, the floor to the ceiling, like just, and there's little cots in the middle of it. Mm. Um, once I, I went to see a mom and the baby's room was a storage room. It was an actual storage room with ladders and paint and tiles. Mm. And there was a cart stuck in them, in, like just kind of <laughs> randomly. And it was still little, it was before I niched down to work with, you know, six months old babies. But um, it makes so much sense. Like, and you know, the room is bright. The room is, uh, there's a floor to, um, floor to ceiling windows throughout the whole room. Wow. So, you know, poor guy, look, of course he wasn't napping because it was so bright in his room and it was so chaotic in his room. Mm. Um, you know, so everything that affects our sleep, just like you said, noise, light, temperature, it's gonna affect them as well. Mm. Yeah, so how should a room be set up then? So, um, so the cooler is better. So between 18 to 20 degrees is, is ideal. Mm -hmm. And then you've got to look at, you know, usually um, moms are using, parents are using sleeping bags, like the little ba bag you put the baby in. So the, the bag has to be the correct tog to match the temperature yeah. and the, you know, what you're dressing your baby in. So, you know, short, you know, long sleeve vest under the tog, or, you know, the, 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 the correct tog sleeping bag. Um, there's a whole lot of other feng shui things like don't put the, the door, I mean the, the cart right in directly in line with the door because the energy of the, the door is very fast, which I found to be true. And so some people will say, you know, feng shui, I'm not so sure, but, but actually in my experience, it, it really does work in the room. Mm. So, um, and also like 100% cotton pajamas, um, a proper stable, stable cart. Some people are using travel carts and of course they're all, you know, kind of lumpy and they're not supportive. Mm. Um, so it, sh it should be like uh, uncluttered, it should be tidy, everything that, everything you need every day should be out, in the, should be in the room. But everything else that you're not using, like old baby clothes and um, just random things that are, you know, lots and lots of toys. Some some families have their whole the whole room is just covered in toys, mm -hmm. and you you go in there and you feel kind of you know you don't feel rested in there. So of course your baby's not going to feel rested in mm -hmm. there. So it should feel calm, decluttered, 
um, take all the rest of the stuff that you don't need every day out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So it's just a, a, not a busy environment. There's, yeah. there's no sort of external noise. Yeah. Okay. Talk to us a bit about your methodology. What, what's your approach? So my methodology, um, so the way the, the nurture program, the yeah. way that I work is the two home visits and the feng shui consultation and eight weeks support after that. But the methodology that I actually use to help babies sleep is also, again, mimicking uh, motion. So helping, so, so I have to look at everything. So the daytime sleep, the night, the room, it all goes hand in hand. But mm -hmm. to, to zone in on the methodology that I use during the night to help them sleep or at nap times is I recommend doing a milk feed before a nap and having a nap time routine because many moms don't have a nap time routine. Mm -hmm. They just, I've been to so many moms' houses where they just walk into the room and just pop the baby in the cot and just think that the, the baby's magically going to sleep, which doesn't work that way. So you've got to you know, set up a nap time routine and make the room dark and put on some nice you know, music or white noise, do a feed, the baby gets nice and sleepy and then you can slowly you know, get up and, and put the baby into the cot and then help the baby in the cot by you know, patting, stroking. Um, so there's, there's, and there's little steps you can take if the baby's kind of like, no, that's way too fast for me. You can just do it slow and slow and slow and just do more reassurance in the steps that lead up to going to the cot and then more reassurance in the cot. Mm. Um, so, so, and then in the nighttime as well, it's just the same, a feed before bedtime. Because many moms, many, lots of advice now says don't feed a baby before sleep, don't feed it before nap, don't feed them before bedtime because it's creating bad sleep associations and your baby's going to think that they have to feed in order to go to sleep. And it's, it's stressing moms out so badly because the most natural way in the world for a baby to go to sleep is through feeding. So breast milk has got all different hormones and chemicals in it to make us sleepy. Um, and, and also a bottle feed will do just the same because it's nice, it's warm, it's, they've got your comfort, they've got your reassurance. Um, it's, you know, they get all sleepy, it's lovely. So that takes away so much of the work for the mom you know, really just by doing the feed. Mm. Otherwise, you end up rocking, you, you, you know, in the buggy or you take them for a, a you know, car ride around the block just to help them get sleepy where the milk would have just done the same thing. Mm. Um, there's so much fear about feeding the baby before sleep now that it's, it's stressing moms out so badly. Yeah. Is there a lot of research done around all of this? There's there, the different ways to keep a baby asleep or to get them to sleep, for example. There's lots of different opinions on it and um, I mean there's so many books on sleep training and getting a baby to sleep and a lot of them involve cry, letting the baby cry mm. and cried out methods which I, I'm totally against. Yeah. We'll come back to that. Yes. Um, so there is, there is a lot of varying advice around it. Um, but to me I just don't think that it makes sense for a baby, you know, I just, I don't understand, I don't, like, you know, to let a baby cry to fall asleep, I don't, I don't, it, it goes against our natural instincts. It doesn't mm. feel right, but often we're told that that's the way that you'll get your baby to sleep is, is by crying. So we don't, and there's not a lot of um, awareness around the more gentle methods. I think more and more it's coming up now, and, and hopefully the cried out method will be buried mm. <laughs> within the next few years and moving forward. But. Um, there's a lot of varying advice out there. Mm. Um, can you talk us through an instance where you've, or a case study where you've worked with someone, and we've, we both have a friend in common 
um, whom you work with, obviously through the program. Um, uh, yes. But I don't know if you can, t- you know, we're not talking about specific details. But mm. is there a, a case study you can share of where you've worked with someone? What what that life was like when you came in, and then the, you know, what you were able to to change for them? I think that for would be sure. really interesting. Um. So I mean, I guess when I meet moms, they are, in one mom's words, she was desperate, exhausted, and just shattered. Um, and, and is it always mums? I mean, we've been saying mums, but it mums, is it sometimes... So, and dads also. Yeah. Uh, okay. But it's mostly mums. It's, yeah. it's the very occasional dad that, uh, that gets in touch with me. And then he normally gets in touch with me and kind of passes me to mom. Because mums mm-hmm. are usually the ones um, typically up in the night with the babies. And there are dads that help. So we will say mums and dads. Um, yeah, and I wasn't trying to catch you out, but no, just no. Like anyone's listening thinking, do you only work with mums? Oh, I no. guess that's not the case, right? With dads yeah, as well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, um, so, okay, um, a case study. Uh, a few, a couple of months ago, um, I, w- I worked with a family who also the room was a bit chaotic and the mum was so funny. She told me about all these different techniques she had to do to rock the baby and she, we, we, we had some fun with it, it was quite funny, like all these different things she had to the ballerina dance and it was really funny and um, so I went in and we looked at the room, we looked at the daytime naps, we looked at how she was putting the baby down to sleep and we went through the methodology and the whole, the whole process and it was amazing because within, two, within a week we saw massive results, within two weeks it was amazing and this little girl suffered from very bad eczema um, through, all through her life. Mm. So the eczema had affected her, her sleep and finally the, the, the eczema was under control um, but so we could uh, move forward and work on the sleep and not worry about the eczema. Mm. Um, but a few weeks o- no, so two, a few weeks after that they went on holiday and then a few weeks after that they moved house and the baby slept well on holiday. The baby slept well when they moved house and the mom um, has just actually told me she's pregnant with her second one now. So it's right. amazing because it's life changing because when you're not sleeping, you just think, I can't do this again. I can never do this again. I can't be pregnant again because I'm not sleeping with the first one. Yeah. So it just, yeah, it's, it's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful uh, feeling to know that, you know, you've made a difference in someone's life. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And I guess every baby's different, right? So there isn't any formula of this yeah. is how long they have between naps. And exactly. Um, okay, cool. So we've looked. We've talked about the room, the temperature, bedding, um, the nap routine. Is there anything else that that you think people should be aware of? So be aware another of? thing I love to do is set the scene before bedtime. So after dinner time, when you start getting the bath ready, close all the curtains in the house that can be closed or all the blinds them all the lighting so you want to you you making the whole house go into sleep mode mm. so and this helps the baby know that it's, it's sleep time is coming and help prepare the baby for sleep yeah so that'll release melatonin because the lighting is going down yeah. um, and in the baby's room also get everything ready you need before uh, you do bath time so put the nappies out put the pajamas out put the white noise on put the uh, lamp on close all the curtains get everything you need so that when you come out of the bath you go into the baby's room and you can just, you know, do everything you need to do. So you need to have the milk ready, everything ready inside. So you're like self-contained in that room. You don't need to keep running out, up and down and pop the sleep bubble. Because mm. that's what a lot of parents do, I find, is that they 
do the bath and then they start to build the sleep bubble and they go into the baby's room and then they do something else to pop it like go into their own rooms the parents room and read a story there or go back into the lounge and play or um and you pop the sleep bubble so you kind of like stop start yeah. the bedtime routine um and and that confuses babies and it it's not um conducive to sleep yeah it's funny, there's so many parallels between, you know, you call it the sleep bubble and we call it the sleep staircase. Oh, Which yes. is at the top of the staircase, that's, that's you coming in from work, for example, at the bottom of the staircase is bed. And what a lot of people do is they, they carry on, you know, doing sort of fairly high intensity or stressful <laughs> yeah. things and then go to bed and, and then expect just to things sleep. to pop down, yeah. And you just, you have to come down these little steps that's and put on some casual clothes, you know, turn off your alerts. Don't look at devices because they kick out blue light, which suppresses melatonin. All these little steps that just get you into a nice sleep state. And I guess it's absolutely no different for babies. Yeah. Have they done any studies that have shown that how a baby is, how a baby's circadian rhythm is formulated when it's young impacts sleep disorders when they're older? Do you know? Um, I don't know about research done on that. I know that it takes three to four months for it to fully develop. So by the fourth the month, baby circadian rhythm. Circadian rhythm. Yeah. So, so in the first, in like, nor to 12, nor to 14, uh, 16, 16 weeks, um, they have no concept of, of night and day, and it still makes no sense to them. So it's just sleeping, eating, uh, you know, the same. But by four months, it's, uh, sleep starts to consolidate, and you get the longer stretches, and they know they can tell night from day. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Okay, is there anything else that you think would be helpful for people in terms of what to focus on? So, I mean, another thing is the naps, the daytime naps. So sleep breeds sleep. So the better the daytime naps, the better the nighttime sleep's going to be. Okay. Um, often, a lot, of, I think sometimes parents are told that if your baby's not sleeping well during the night, um, that you should keep them awake during the day because they're sleeping too much in the day and it's impacting their their nighttime sleep, but the opposite's true. Um, the more and the better they sleep during the day, the better they sleep during the night. Mm. Okay, is there any ideal time for, or ideal length of nap, or is it very individual? It's very individual. It could be anything from 45 minutes to two hours. Mm. So it's very, and also as the baby gets older, so in a, in a, in a, a, a small baby, a 20 minute nap to half an hour nap, um, 45 minute nap is totally normal and then towards the end of uh, of a year you might get lovely two hour naps for the midday nap so just mm. it all it all kind of like gets better and better and better as as they get older okay <laughs> yeah um you mentioned white noise and there's a, a hotel a luxury hotel i can't remember where it is where they now play they now pipe white noise through in the evenings oh, wow. it's for adults it's not a hotel well it's a hotel for anyone yeah um, what's your view on white noise as an effective uh, way of helping a baby to sleep? I, I agree with it um, completely and I, I recommend it for my clients yeah. because it keeps the outside noise out and helps the baby stay asleep for longer. Um, because often in London especially we have lots of busy roads, I mean everywhere, in, but we have lots of busy roads, we have uh, ambulances screeching past, yeah. we have dogs barking. Hell of a lot of noise pollution, yeah. But noise, but there's so much noise pollution, we've got the trains, we've got lots going on. So planes. Planes. So, and, and also outside, in your house noise, so you're trying to cook dinner, or you're trying to have a conversation with your husband, or you're trying to you know, you watch a, a movie over the weekend, and the noise is waking the baby up. So that, the white noise helps to keep that noise out mm. and, and counterbalance the, the noise. Mm. Okay, cool. We've got some questions. Yes. Um, let's have a look first if we've got anything on the 
Facebook Live, otherwise we've got some here. Um, I don't know if I'm going to be able to uh, to see whether or not we've got questions. I can't see from my iPad. I'm either technically uh, inadequate or or there haven't been any posted. I can't see from there, but we have some. So this from Annie. Um, why do you think, given the plethora of evidence showing the damaging effects of the cry it out method, it is still used by some sleep consultants and recommended by so many supposed experts? So to me, I think that um, perhaps they don't know themselves of how to teach sleep in a gentler way and that's the way that they've been taught and that's that they believe that that is the way to do it. I remember years ago when I was when I was interested in teaching babies how to sleep, but I, I wasn't on that path that I was just interested in it. And it was starting to, I was starting to, to find out about it. And randomly I've, I, I, I heard this lady on the train and she was talking and I knew that she was coaching someone in, in, in sleep. So as she was getting off the train, I, I asked her about it and she said, yeah, she's a sleep trainer. And she gave me her card and I met up with her for coffee one day. And I had, so, I don't know, actually at that point I had my method, I had, an idea of what I was doing because at that point I was still uh, to me it came very naturally and so it's taken a lot of time to unpack what I actually do so what I told you mm. earlier but it took me a long time to unpack that because I just didn't I just was, it was so natural to me I didn't know what I was actually doing mm. but this sleep trainer she was like you know can't stand these people who think sleep is such a you know such a big palaver and song and dance you got to do all these you know gentle gentle things and um, I didn't say anything about what I you know what I what my, my method but mm. she 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 was very cried out and she was like you know this child is manipulating you and she was very much yeah, quite um, extreme. she's very extreme yeah. it was the last time I ever saw her and I was like well it's but I think maybe a lot of people just don't know how to teach sleep in a gentle way so they just stick to the way that they know how to do it and mm. yeah I guess you're always going to have people flying in the face of what the evidence suggests and in some senses that's a good thing we should challenge but um, yeah it's a controversial subject as well isn't it you know mm. whether to cry to let a baby cry it out or, or not certainly if we think about what you've just said about the sleep bubble or in my case the sleep staircase mm. getting very sympathetic dominant with hysterical out of control crying is not part of that sleep bubble exactly, or that sleep staircase so sure. logically yeah. we'd think it wasn't a good way for a child to prepare for sleep or no. a baby no <clears throat> okay uh, we have another question here if a mother is breastfeeding how important is her diet in terms of helping the baby sleep so I would say that while you establish breastfeeding and while your baby gets used to the world outside of the womb, um, you know, as a newborn, there are things that will affect the baby's uh, sleep and the baby's happiness. The, often babies have um, intolerances, so lactose intolerance, because their body just can't break down the, the, the lactase in the milk and they find that difficult or um, they can be... Um, so, so there's, there's, there's common ones, milk, uh, soya, dairy, um, some like celery, some, so there's a whole bunch and they will affect uh, a baby's sleep. So sometimes it's about the mom has to do an exclusion diet mm -hmm. of taking out certain things in, the, in her diet and finding out if the baby uh, gets on better without those things. But it can also be very demanding and it's very 
um, hard for the mom when you take out you know, a whole bunch of stuff from her diet and she's breastfeeding so she needs to be eating more to make more milk. But So there are things that affect babies in the first few, especially the first few months of their life mm. with the mom eats. A coffee sometimes can keep a baby awake. Yeah, that would um, make sense. Yeah. Um, so not too much coffee. Um, but I think mostly it's, if you eat like, maybe it's uh, like hard to process um, beans, broccoli, like they're kind of gassy, mm. the gassy vegetables, those can be hard for babies to break down as well. Mm. Um, but I think a lot of it mostly is a lactose intolerance. Okay. And they find dairy hard to break down. Yeah. Mm. Okay. I mean, one of the things, we have a lot of clients that we've worked with who, who end up having, having children. And I always stress the importance of diet. If you're planning to be pregnant, get yeah. your diet as clean as you can. Yeah. I mean, that's a good piece oh, exactly. of advice for anyone yes, anyway. Yes. But what you eat, get, you know, is, is... It's going through your baby, yeah. for sure. Yeah, so having the, the best diet you possibly can is, is really important. Um, last question. So what's your view on bringing my baby into bed with me when it can't sleep? So it depends on the family. It depends on the, on the parents. Because if it's not a problem for the parents, then it's not a problem. Mm. It's only a problem when you find it a problem. And it's, you know, it's affecting your sleep, then it's a problem. But some, some families love it. Some families love sleeping with their babies in the bed. And obviously those are not the families that are reaching out to me because the families are, are reaching out. But I, I feel that, I feel that it's, um, there's no black and white in sleep, and sleep's always changing. So you might get a really great, amazing patch, and the baby's doing really well, and then baby goes through, say, separation anxiety, or um, a developmental uh, patch, or, um, you know, and then they need more reassurance, or they are um, unsettled, and giving them an extra cuddle in your bed, it's not gonna be the end of the world. Mm. So I think it's just, a, it's, um, you've just got to, You've got to be flexible about it as well. Yeah, yeah, and respond to that individual baby. I yeah, guess, exactly. Their, their demands I think if the baby needs more reassurance, then 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 totally. Yeah. And then you'll find that after after separation anxiety passes, you'll just go back to the same way it was before, or after the big developmental leap comes and goes, sleep will be back the same before. So, you know, you're not assuming that your baby has to go in the bed with you every single night. You're just playing it. By ear and seeing what happens and if she needs you a bit more then that's okay mm -hmm. and and then it'll just pop back to where it was before after yeah. the big leap or whatever yeah okay brilliant thank you um, if people want to work with you what's the process what should they do I'll, I'll post links in the show notes to your website and your LinkedIn profile and everything else but if somebody wants to work with you, you know what what should what should they do um, you can get in touch with me on happybabyandme.com um, you can also find me on Facebook um, happy baby and me um, but yeah, those are the best ways. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Thanks, Leanne. Thank you so much. Pleasure. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, help us to reach more people by leaving a rating and a review on iTunes. We would really appreciate that and it would help us to spread the good word even further. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you on the next show.